Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You've probably seen it too. Potato chips, supposedly developed by some institutes or academies of agricultural sciences, and you may have wondered, like I did, are these really healthier and tastier than the regular chips under other domestic or international brands? Well, Shanghai's consumer rice watchdog has got to the bottom of this question by investigating more than a dozen products listed on shopping platforms, and the findings are not going to make you happy if you already spent money for such products. Hello, I'm Lai Ming, and this is Roundtable. Today, with my colleague Niu Hongling and our guest Steve Hatherley, we will find out whether we should place our trust on products allegedly developed by institutions of agricultural sciences and what can be done to build that trust. This is probably China exclusive. I'm not aware of any uh, brands outside of this country that claims to have been developed by, you know. <laughs> Institutions of higher learning that focus on、uh, the study of agricultural products. Oh come on! Tell me you can resist this. Shizhuang oatmeal, developed by Chinese Academy of Agricultural Sciences or Yunnan Academy of Agricultural Sciences potato chips or Yantai Academy of Agricultural twenty-five sweet potatoes. I mean, I even wonder about the first twenty-four and honey from Yangzhou University and chocolate from the Chinese Academy of Tropical Agricultural Sciences. I I'm going to buy them instantly after the show. I mean, I didn't used to know so much about. All these products, I've only had my fair share of the sweet potatoes. They are very, very sweet. I thought this is a show about you know clarifying <laughs> or certain scams that people have fall victim to. Yeah, but I am I, one of the hey, people listen, falling victim I, to. I'm from Canada, and I only buy snacks that are developed by Chinese agricultural universities. See, people love the concept. <laughs> I know you're joking, but the fact that these started to be one of the advertising campaign or one of the advertising strategy is because a lot of people would buy. This kind of advertisement, and they believe in it. And actually, if we take things back several years during the 2020 Double Eleven period, if you do not know what that is, this basically a shopping festival here in China, like, one of the big, like Friday. Yes, a little bit、mm. like that. And it's also an online shopping festival. But due to the popularity of the oatmeal we talked about, the platform selling it has to temporarily close the sales point with a sales period lasting more than 20. Days because it's just too much traffic and they cannot handle it. That shows how popular this way of advertising has been here in China. And there's a reason for this particular brand of oatmeal to be popular because for a long time, this relatively obscure brand of oatmeal has remained a prescription drug for people with high cholesterol levels. I can understand because nowadays Chinese consumers started to show the trend that they want their snacks to be tasty to give them the pleasure they need after a long working day. In the meantime, they also want their snacks and drinks to be very healthy. They take a look at the level of sugar in the drinks, take a look the level of salt in the chips, and providing them with a choice 
of these kind of, for example, oatmeal that would help them lower their cholesterol level would definitely be a huge inviting factor. Uh, also on social media, there's been a lot of stories circulating about how certain institutions of higher learning have done their research, have fulfilled their roles in developing the latest type of agricultural products, watermelons that are sweeter and, and juicier from Ningxia Hui Autonomous Region, and then maybe cotton from Xinjiang. Uh, there are very good examples of you know scientists really doing their jobs. Oh, I've also seen short videos, and they are really good at advertising. They would say things like, "We do not have the huge amount of money to be invested in marketing. We cannot afford to hire a celebrity to advertise our product. We do not even have the money to invest in the packaging. All we had is this really good recipe, is really strong research team, and our product." Just something that you should try, despite the very ugly packaging. I mean, you gotta buy it when you watch a video like that. So the main issue here with、um, some of these products is it's not necessarily with the product claims about what they can do for your health, more more so than the collaboration、uh, of who they made the product with. Is that the main issue? Well, the main issue is, or apparently, according to the latest investigation, some brands are claiming that their collaboration with certain institutions of higher learning would lead to healthier and tastier products. But in fact, they are not necessarily true. That's true. Actually, there are the kind of snacks that are actually developed and researched by these top-level academic institutions, but there are some that are only sharing certain kind of collaboration cooperation with these. Institutes, for example, there has been a potato chips that has claimed themselves of being the product of a certain university, and as it turns out, the university only helped the chip product to redesign the packaging so that the packaging can be transparent, and the、mm. transparency of the packaging would not affect the endurance of the snack itself. So it has not a lot to do with the product itself, and the worst case scenario would be. Basically, fake advertisement for the kind of snacks that has nothing to do with any of the universities claiming to be the product of the research team.、Mm -hmm. Certain、uh, nutritional factors listed on the package of certain products are not exactly true. An investigation into the ninety Nongda vegetable row showed that.、Uh, Well, thanks to the cooperation with Northeast Agriculture University's College of Food Science,、uh, they now have a certain level of、uh, healthy ingredients in their vegetable rolls. But the investigation shows that the protein content is 25% lower and fat. 38% higher than claimed on the packaging. So this is a typical example of false advertising. Yeah, I mean, this is just straight up false. There, there are many cases where. You know, a, a product can be misleading. I remember watching a documentary. I won't say the name of the fashion brand, but it was about a fashion brand, a very popular one,、uh, that was selling T-shirts. And the tag of the T-shirt, you know, like right around your neck, where it says like the size and、mm -hmm. the materials and things like that. On the tag, it said 
made from recycled materials. Now, to the average consumer like you and I, well, let, Lai Ming, let me ask you, or Hong Lim, what do you think? When you see that on a label, what do you automatically assume? I assume it's being proved. I mean, I assume that the market watchdog must have gone through it and approved it. Yeah, I would assume the T-shirt is made of some used clothes or the kind of material that would end up being garbage if it weren't for the effort of the company. So you're assuming then that the T-shirt is made from recycled yes, materials. Yes, yes, yes. Incorrect. That information was located on the tag. The tag <laughs> was made from recycled materials. So that's a case of misleading the consumer, right? Um, that's an easy mistake to make. But in this case, these are claims of companies saying we did work directly with these universities or we work directly with these companies to make these products when it simply wasn't true or um, the protein content or the protein amount in this product is this many grams when in fact it's not true. So it's not exactly it's it's not exactly the same thing, is it? It's not misleading. It's basically false information. It's in my false. Opinion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I was wondering, in Korea, do we see similar situation of people having a almost enthusiastic trust over the um, research institution when it comes to snacks or food or drinks? Not so much. I don't think research institutions. You don't hear or see in the media about research institutions um, being connected with a particular product. Of course, everybody knows about Korean ramen, right? It's very famous all yeah. around the world. And uh, there's a ramen research institute in Korea, which is fantastic. I would love to work there. Uh, and they just search about flavors and things like that. It, people know it exists, but you don't see it talked about um, when it, in connection with any particular type of product. Or you don't necessarily see you know, university names connected with uh, any particular type of product. I mean, they've done like um, cross promotions before where they took a, a brand of flour. Was it a brand of flour, I believe? Um, and then combined that for some reason with a beer company. So the, the flour company and the beer company were in a collaboration with each other and they used the flour uh, company label on the beer cans um, but there was no false information or anything like that. But to answer your question, yeah, it was trend. It was trendy at the time, so we can see, can't we, why companies, you know, false or not, want to go for this kind of um, this kind of advertising because it really does have an influence on people. Absolutely, here in China, this is a typical example of enterprises taking advantage of people's mentality or people's pursuit for a healthier lifestyle as such, we see practices in this regard. But then this presents a unique challenge to uh, the watchdogs or the uh, industry regulators in the sense that uh, if it's something printed on the package, of course, I would imagine uh, mature regulations and laws and, and also uh, supervision would have gone through that and uh, ruled out some of the uh, misrepresentations and misleading information 
But again, the social media plays a part in this. I mean, of course, certain careful enterprises they probably don't put misleading information on their packaging, which,、uh, like I said earlier, is closely supervised. But when they go online to shopping platforms,、uh, when they want to introduce their products,、uh, maybe on the interface in the links, or maybe during a live stream e-commerce session,、uh, an anchor could present it and, and exaggerate the effect of the collaboration with certain. Institution of, of higher learning.、Uh, this really aggravates, or in fact,、uh, increases the challenge of supervision.、Uh, do you think the online platforms should be held responsible for anything listed on their platforms? Yes and no. And and yes, I think an example of yes would be、um, back in I think it was 2010. There was a yogurt、uh, producer. That got in trouble and had to pay forty-five million dollars in a class action lawsuit because they were marketed. The yogurts were marketed as being clinically, quote unquote, clinically and、uh, scientifically proven to boost your immune system. And as a result of those claims, they they sold their product at thirty percent higher than than other yogurts.、Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a complaint, and then there was the fine, and they were told to remove the words clinically and scientifically proven because they weren't actually clinically and scientifically proven. So in that case, yes. However, there was another case from there's an I won't say this brand name either, but it's the most popular perhaps、um, energy drink in the world.、Um, uh, there's a color in the name, and then cousin <laughs> of the cousin of the cow, if I can say it like that. <laughs> well, anyway, their slogan was "gives you wings." Well, they had a class action lawsuit, and they had to pay out thirteen million dollars. This happened. Uh, many many years ago in 2014, but one customer said that he had been a customer of this company, this Austrian drinks company, for many years, and even though he had been consistently drinking the beverage for ten years, he had never no wings. grown <laughs> wings. That's got to be the example of let's be reasonable. But that company, <laughs> they agreed to pay out a maximum of thirteen million dollars, ten dollars to every customer in America. Who had bought the drink since 2002? Wow, unbelievable, that, right? Yeah, those are some very interesting examples. And I think the reason we're talking about this here is that there are definitely a lot of clauses, a lot of regulations regarding false information, false advertising, fake information when you are doing advertising, as well as regulations on the obligation of platforms when you actually allow these short videos or live streams to be aired on your platform. You definitely have to check and verify the registered information and qualifications of the operators. All those are already in place and there. And the reason we're talking about this is because this is relatively a new phenomenon. When people say or when people see that one of the products they are about to purchase has something to do with high educational or research institutions, they have this very strong belief of the product. And even though the information is Seemingly not that different from saying this would help you feel happier or this would help you feel healthier. It actually has a stronger effect on people's decision-making progress, and that is why we think this might be a topic worth discussing. And maybe after 
I don't know, months or even years, there will be specific regulation targeting this kind of advertising tactic.、Mm-hmm. Given the reality as it is, I mean, I don't think it's reasonable for us to ask. These institutions of higher learning to keep an eye out on shopping platforms for any misrepresentation of their names, you know, because、uh, they don't necessarily have the know-how or the capacity to do that, or the staff member to do that. I mean, I think it still falls on the job description of. Uh, market regulators and also perhaps the the shopping platforms. It doesn't seem like it should be that difficult, right? Whenever because for a product to be put into the market or put onto the market, it needs to be approved, correct? So who does it get approved by? Well, in America, it would be the Food and Drug Administration. Um, in Korea, it would be another um kind of government watchdog. Those government um organizations are put in place to make sure that everything is on the up and up to make sure that the Products claims are doing what they say they do.、Uh, it doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but there's there's plenty. I mean, I just gave you two examples there, but I I could give you a hundred more examples that are all over the internet of of products with false claims. So perhaps it's not as easy as we think it is. Perhaps we could arrange certain keywords, like when people say this is the best potato chips you can get. I mean, the best would trigger some kind of alarm when it's、uh, in the approval procedure.、Uh, likewise, I think perhaps when people use keywords like "nongda"、uh, or、ah. or "nongkeyuan," then、uh, this will become a keyword that triggers a higher level of response on the part of the regulators or watchdogs. Yes, and for the consumers listening, actually, if you've encountered situations like this, you can retain evidence when. Encountering such incidents, seek compensation from the merchants or platforms. It's a good thing that you can get your money back with some more compensation, I guess. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, have you ever slept in till noon but only to wake up feeling still, if not more fatigued? Well, it's possible that you've not chosen the right way to relax and recuperate. Today on Roundtable, we take a look at some counterintuitive ways that may help you better recover from work and New Year celebrations. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. Welcome back, and we've probably all been through this. I mean, the weekend is the holiday. You decide to sleeping, and you wake up to have the brunch, if not the lunch. But all the while, you feel you haven't recovered from the. Partying or the hard work at、uh, at the office, and it turns out that this may be the result of you choosing the well, I wouldn't say wrong way, but not the most useful way or the most helpful way to relax.、Uh, Lai Ming, every time I text Lai Ming, Honglin, this is the the answer I get when I ask, "Hey, Lai Ming, what what are you doing now?" It's either. I'm at work. I'm on my way to work, <laughs> or I was just at work. <laughs> so I think Liming, you need to listen very carefully to this segment coming up. Absolutely. Why do you、so、think we have this topic on the show? <laughs> yeah, you chose it yourself, huh? <laughs> yeah. I would begin with a recollection of the days when I just started working. So、um, I had plenty of sleep when I was in postgraduate study. So when I first started my job at this.、Uh, Institution,、uh, I find it easy to fall asleep or get very sleepy. 
even before noon hits me, you know. So uh, maybe this is an issue of poor time management or the issue of yield adaptation to the work schedule. So what I did was I tried to sleep in earlier and then try to stay focused and a lot of coffee really helped. It really took me a long time to adjust to the work schedule. Well, I'm quite the contrary. Actually recalling my first, several first days or even first half year of working, I realized that I was very happy. I worked for the news team, which means that most of my work would conclude during the working hours. I mean, the news would not wait for me. I would not be on call when I'm actually off work. And I had a lot of time playing with my friends, watch TV, maybe cooking. So for the first year of my working experience, resting was not an issue for me. Hmm, I hmm. so envy you. Uh, Steve, <laughs> uh, what are the signs that told you that perhaps you had a little too much on your plate when you just started off? Uh, well, first of all, it's my it's my mood, I think. You know, I can always feel it. I don't know if this is true for you guys or not, but I can kind of feel it in my bones and in my soul when it's time for, <laughs> for a vacation. Do, do you know what I mean? I It's not necessarily that I feel any more tired than I do on on one particular day than the other, but I can just sense it in, in my, in my being. Um, when I first started in, in this industry, you know, versus now, well, I don't really have too many complaints about the schedule because it, and, and I guess I'll use that as a segue into, into what I wanted to say about relaxing with a, with a busy work schedule, because throughout my day, I'm hosting two radio shows per day now, but my schedule allows me to take a break in between. And I was reading about rest and, and relaxation on the internet just a couple of days ago. And they were talking about how we often think of rest in the macro sense. You know, when the weekend comes, you'll stay in bed until noon or you'll binge watch a show for you know, all six seasons in like 48 hours or something, or you need a week, a week's vacation to recharge your batteries. But unfortunately for us, when we have busy work schedules and we go to work every day, the advice was we have to think about taking a break more on a micro level than on a macro level. And that led to advice in the story that said, if you sit at a desk all day, um, every five minutes out of every hour, stand up and go for a walk to get the blood circulated in your body. Um, another tip was uh, play five minutes or 10 minutes of your smartphone game. If, if, if that's one of the things that you happen to enjoy during a, a mini break that you're having. Doing that, according to them, not according to me, allowed for, I think that was from psychologytoday.com if you want to check where that story was. And according to them, doing those little micro breaks throughout the day on a daily basis can help us feel more rested and more relaxed while we're still doing our regular work schedules. Mm, you remind me, one of the solutions I tried to rely on was to bring my Kindle to work. And then on these micro breaks that, uh, Steve, you mentioned earlier, I tried to read my favorite novel and it turns out it didn't work. So, <laughs> so my next solution was to drink plenty of water and then when the nature calls, 
<laughs> I would go to the bathroom and and the long walk. I would take a detour to the bathroom, so the the walk really helped. I think I've read the same research <laughs> because I think the key here is when you're taking the micro breaks, you should actually use the breaks to break what you're currently doing. If you're having a sip of water while you're reading an article, the action of drinking would not stop you from reading the article, which means that micro break is not breaking anything. Your、and、mind is still engaged. Exactly, and also you should do things that would not consume you with the same energy or strength that you need while you're working. Hence, Lai Ming's example, because when you are reading the、uh, novel, you're still reading; it's still thinking, actively engaging with the content, and that is the same. Strength you would need while you're working,、mm-hmm. which is why Lime, it does Lime, not help. Lime Ming's, Lime Ming's example was: How can I take the po- longest possible trip to the bathroom that I possibly can? <laughs> <laughs> What is the longest route from A to B that I can make <laughs> and then return again? Yes, his example is a little bit extreme as well. I'm, I'm joking. I'm teasing you, Lime Ming, but I think you're absolutely right. You know, people we hear this advice, right? Like it always, people always say, doctors always say, just relax. Don't be stressed. Less stress. Get get a good night's sleep. But even those simple concepts for people can be stressful in themselves, right? I mean, thinking about oh, I'm not getting enough rest.、Uh, I don't.、Uh, I think I might be too stressed. But everybody tells me don't be stressed. Okay, hold on. Let me try. I'm trying not to be so stressed. It doesn't work. Nobody knows what that means, right? That's my point. So I think if we can come up with like, I don't know, practical solutions,、um, things that we can. Like apply practical applications to our own lives,、um, and every life is different. Every person's different, but just stuff that actually works. You know,、mm-hmm. I think it's important to know that when you move on from one part of your life to another stage, like from college to the workplace, then there is、uh, suddenly an adjustment period. Then you have to change your lifestyle accordingly, and you might allow you a short period of time to know your body, how it reacts under certain circumstances. Circumstances, how you how it reacts to stress, how it reacts to maybe an extra bun at lunch. So you have to know your body. And also, there's another study that I have just read on the Academy of Management Journal. It says that the level of autonomy you have in choosing your activities during rest actually. Uh, would decide whether or not you're having a relatively more efficient rest. That is to say, maybe during lunch breaks, if you're only allowed to have lunch and you're only allowed to, let's say, take half an hour, having lunch, walk a little bit, and come back,、um, it would not be so efficient when it comes to helping you rest better. And if you have a relatively larger autonomy in choosing the activities during your breaks, it actually Actually helps you to rest better. I worked. I worked in a Korean company once for sh- just a few months. I was writing an English、um, study textbook for them, and Korean offices are really quiet. Right? People people don't talk. Oh, I appreciate、much. that. Not. <laughs> It, not 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 everywhere, but in this particular place, we had maybe I don't know a hundred employees on one floor, very quiet. And the guy who was working directly behind me one afternoon. I turned around in my chair and I said something to him like, "Hey,、um, I need your help with this thing," and he didn't move. And then I, I looked at him again, and I could only see his back, but he was facing his computer screen. He had his hand on his mouse, and I said it to him again, and he didn't respond. And I stood up and I walked around to the front of his desk so I could see his face. He 
was fast asleep in perfect working condition, <laughs> upright, <laughs> hand on mouse. To any management member looking at him, he was working very hard at that time. He was taking a micro nap. So I was like, you are the smartest person I have ever met in my entire life. And I support what you're doing right now. Sneak in a little nap at work if you have to. Maybe five minutes here and there. Why not? Mm -hmm. A power nap would definitely help. In the meantime, uh, I have also seen this interesting study saying that there are different categories of recovery experiences, and they call it the drama um, framework. Uh, that's D-R-A-M-M-A. -M -M -A. D stands for detachment recovery. R, relax. A, autonomy. We talked about it. Uh, M, mastery, meaning that mastering the things outside of work, learning something new. And also meaning, meaning the kind of experiences that help gain important or valuable things in life. And also affiliation, activities that provide social support and interpersonal relationships. So I guess these are different ways to recover from a very busy day. So whether or not you are hot at work or whether you've spent too much time celebrating and partying with your friends, I mean, it's always important to know your body and also to know the best way to relax under various circumstances. And uh, I think after the Spring Festival holiday, we are all in for a long period of work and uh, it's important to exercise self-care and then do whatever you can uh, to stay fit for whatever challenges that lies ahead of you. That's all the time we have for Roundtable today. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>